Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. All right, welcome back to Quarantined Fright School. <laughs> Here we are on the Hello, other Joe. side. Hello, Joshua. <laughs> yes, so uh, this is fun. We've, we're, we're doing something new today, folks, because I want to keep Joe uh, far, far away from me. So we're <laughs> doing, uh, we're doing, we're, we're recording remotely. We've never done this before, have we? No, we've never recorded remotely. Um, you know, we we wanted to be responsible, and we wanted to. Uh, and by be responsible, mm-hmm. um, we wanted to allay my growing anxiety. I was going to um, say, you mean uh, to <laughs> to avoid, uh, or, or because Joe had a panic attack. No. Yeah, <laughs> I totally did, everybody. And it was uh, bad. <laughs> it's all right. It was like, you know, that's what happens when you read. This is why I don't read. Um, I know. And Gosh, so I'm I was, always trying to encourage you to read, and this is what happens. This is what happens. You can't do the show because you're going to get me coronavirus. No. So, <laughs> so today, um, this is the this is the day in the in the hashtag the distancing is yes. uh, what we're calling it. Um, we are taking it. Well, I asked Joshua if we could take it seriously. <laughs> I'm excited. I may never have to see your face again. You know, you know? You may, you, I actually maybe you know did this with a favor. I don't have to be in each other's presence anymore. Yeah. Now you do. Um, uh, spoiler alert: you got new shows coming. Um, I do. You do your other show this way, no? I do. This this episode will be released the same day as my other new show, so I might as well just say it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so the new show that I'll be premiering uh, today is called MFK Ultimate. And yes, yes, the ultimate. And what that means is that it's uh, MFK stands for Mary Fuck Kill. It's the thought experiment of our, um, of you know, this modern age, this age of the coronavirus. And uh, we decided, uh, me and uh, co-host uh, Miss Delia Knight from previously of the Lanyard Man podcast, we've been wanting to work together for many years now. Ever since I recorded my very first podcast with her as the first guest, and. I had this idea floating around and thought that she might be interested in it, and she was. And so, yeah, we have a we have a couple really fun episodes uh, coming out for you, and um, yeah, it's gonna be fun. So check it out. We are on Stitcher, and well, I think we're on Stitcher. I might have gotten that, but we're definitely on going to be on Apple. We're definitely gonna be on um spotify and i did the google play in advance so so that's so that that's not going to take as long as what we did for fried school and yeah um it's going to be fun so we we each so basically what's what the premise of the show which i should probably just tell you is um each week one of us will come up with a um, an MFK, a Mary Fuck Kill game based on like an abstract concept. So not necessarily people, but like, you know, ideas or, you know, things that are fictional. And then we will go into and play the game from there. Uh, episodes are going to be not as long as Fright School. So perfect for, you know, your jog, your CrossFit, your short commute to work. Um, yeah. So there you go. MFK Ultimate. Check it out on everything. 
wow, that was a whole lot of time devoted to the thing I'm going to be fighting uh, for time <laughs> away from. Well, it, the thing about it you is like... Threw, I feel like you threw a read in there. <laughs> it's not as long as Fright School. So perfect for jogging. You know what? If, you, if you're like a marathon runner, you can listen to Fright School when you're jogging. No, it's, it's true. It's true. I'm just teasing you, Joe. I'm very happy for you. I love that... Um, you know, you're you're uh, following in Matt Kelly's footsteps. You know, he's, he's a great idol to have. Have all the yes, shows. Never sleep again. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag never sleep again. I like that. <laughs> I like that. It's in honor of our Freddie uh, discussions today. Exactly. You're so clever with it, Joshua. You're, oh, yeah, I'm sure. so talented. <laughs> You or know, not trying to assuage me so that I'm not. This is interesting you know. because, like, for the first time ever, I will not have to worry about a cat, like, clawing at my thigh or my kneecap. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. <laughs> I also, like, I also just, it's so unnerving. I I can't see you, and I'm... Like, in, I'm not entirely sure if you're wearing pants. Um. I'm wearing the same outfit I had on during my, <laughs> during my Corona concerto last evening. <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. I was making dinner and I just, uh, and I was with, uh, my little, my tidy whitekins and, um, yeah. we were, um, we were, I was making dinner and I was like, can I just play this? And, and so you basically were the soundtrack to us waiting for the lasagna to be ready. Oh, I'm sorry. Cause it, it was kind of a mess. I mean, it was fun. I just, you know, everybody's so, everything is just, we're so ugh, panicky and anxiety. And it's like, let's just, you know, sing some songs. And, you know, I tried to take requests as best I could, but I mean, it was, it was a mess, but it was a lot of fun. I had a really good time and just, you know, wanted to, Take a moment and be with people. <laughs> and if I get quarantined, hey, you're going to see a lot more of that. <laughs> oh, yes. We, I feel like it's a really important distinction. We should, we should note, folks, that people are using the words um, isolation and quarantine in, like, the same in the same way. And it's like quarantine is like you are, like, actually sick. <laughs> right. And, it's true. And, like, isolation is just you, or distancing is just you don't want to get other people sick. Yeah. So, we really, you know, stay stay woke, folks. Stay woke. I, I use the word quarantine because I work in healthcare, and I'm probably almost guaranteed to catch this at some point. Because <laughs> they, they are making us come. I got a, a text today from my boss, and she's like, um... Uh, just checking that you're planning to come to work tomorrow. And I said, ah, is this like is something in your official duty? Uh, is this suddenly like the, uh, air, the exit seat airplane spiel? You need a verbal yes from all of us. Nah. And she goes, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, I will be uh, sending this message every day just to make sure you all plan to attend. I'm like, all right, I'll be there. So <laughs> until I'm not, I will be there. Uh, I have a bunch of uh, somebody. Uh, one of the doctors sent us a message saying we should all wear gloves at all times, and uh, I'm kind of excited because I have these really sexy black nitrile gloves Ooh. Uh, that I bought for my chemistry class that I took like last year, and I have nothing. I have no use for them here except when I like redye my black clothes, mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah, I'm like to take those to work and be real, you know, real, real uh, coronavirus uh, fashionably conscious. Why am I not surprised that you have like your own black nitrile gloves? Like, 
I, I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I kind of am, I have to say. Well, we all had to buy it for class, but it was really funny because most people went and actually bought like the um, – sorry, I'm in the Sam Squench's office, so we are probably got a bit of an echo in here. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. We're making the best we can to keep everybody safe. But yes. um, I really thought that most people would – kind of go out and buy like their own thing. But most people just went to the bookstore and bought the package. So it came with everything that you needed. So I bought like this chic, like dark charcoal gray lab coat and black gloves that all kind of match and these particular goggles. And I was just felt very fashionable and no, everybody else just had plain white and just whatever they put in the package. So I was like, well, whatever. That's that's (laughs) awesome. Gothing while chem- chemistrying. <laughs> yeah, I know it's like you just you can't you can't just have regular chemistry shit. You got to have the fashionable ones, right? Yeah, yeah. I felt it was you know important. So, how very um, Morticia and Gomez of you. Exactly. You know what's funny about doing this? So today we are are, are are recording via Zencaster, who's not paying us, but you know, hey, well, it should be. But hey, <laughs> go Zencaster. Um, what I what I enjoy about this is that there's like this clock, and it's like ticking, and I'm so aware of how much time we've spent talking already. <laughs> Because, you know, again, behind the scenes, there's a little BTS on Fright School. Joshua never sees the ticking clock when we record no. in person. Yeah. And so I just, you know, that's, and that's great because I keep track of it because I know when to, like, cut out if I've mentioned, you know, things that are blatantly racist or misogynist. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, just the worst, you guys. You have no idea. And I also, you know, I I know how long it's been if uh, we've been droning on about a particular topic of no consequence to the episode. So now Joshua will share in that burden um, as we look at this ticking clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's probably a good thing. I don't know. Well, now I've wasted time talking about it, so I don't know. This, <laughs> this might be a two-hour episode. Yes. <laughs> it'd, have to be, it'd have to compensate for the fact that we can't see each other. Yeah, I, it is kind of weird because I, you know, I'm so used to us like having conversations, you know, face to face. That's what fright school is, you know. But hey, um, all my classes have gone online, so this is what we're doing. Fright school is nothing but adaptable, and just like regular schools out there, um, you know, we've moved to a the online modality. So yeah, absolutely. here we are. We'll be doing Zoom meetings later. If you want to come hang out with us. Um, and no, don't, we're not going to do that. So don't, don't, don't get too excited, but we hope that in these uncertain times where things are, you know, so in flux and changing every single day that we, you know, we're still here to offer that comfort. You know, we're the voice, the gentle voice on the radio in the middle of the depression. Um, so yeah, my, very true. Yeah. <laughs> and if nothing else, you know, listen to this. And if you haven't caught up on all our episodes, hey, go back. You know, go back. you're going to have plenty of time. Listen to all of Fright School. Share it with of, all of your friends. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of what we, um, a lot of what we uh, view is streaming. So, you know, if you want to take this time in your 14 day government ordered quarantine, you know, you're socially distance yourself from your friends, watch an episode of, uh, watch some sort of TV or movie that we've talked about. And then go ahead and uh, listen to it. Listen to our thoughts about it. Uh, this is a perfect time to do that. Um, you know, yeah. blatant self-promotion in the middle of a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, speaking of that, we actually haven't, you know, we haven't done a lot of pandemic movies, Joe. So if we survive this and there's, um, if there are people left to listen to Fright School after all of this, we'll have to uh, do a series on. We uh, might have to. <laughs> uh, so with that being said, let's, uh, do, let's just run through a little, a few, a few, um, of my recommendations. Oh my God. Of pandemic movies? Of pandemic movies to watch okay, while, well, here while we go. quarantined, you know, to really help curb that anxiety uh, all right. and turn it into all out panic. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Joshua. This is great. <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. So obviously, Outbreak. I love that movie. Which is a 20, S- celebrating so its 25 year anniversary this year, right? I know. I'm stoked. Uh, hopefully there's like panels and stuff in the, in the apocalypse. Uh, so obviously outbreak. We've done, uh, 28 days later. That's a great pandemic, you know, zombie movie. It's a further reminder of why it's not good to be a woman um, in the in the apocalypse, right? Which is like the title of our episode on it. So go back and look with look at that with our good friend Laura. Yeah, Uh, the Spanish film Rec, like recording. You know, Mm -hmm. it was also remade as Quarantine. Both I actually do enjoy both of those films. Um, I really, really love Jennifer Carpenter. So. Uh, but either one, either the original Spanish or the Jennifer Carpenter one, great, great thing to, uh, gr- uh, good movies to check out, you know. It's a found you're... footage film as well. Yes, exactly. Both it's are a lot of fun. Films. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I, World War Z, it's fun, you know, action-y, not at all like the book. So if you're a fan of the book, you know, you just got to put that aside and, uh, you know, whoops. Whoop. Oh, you good? Yeah, I'm good. I just almost lost okay. my phone here. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, so if you're a fan of the book, you got to put it aside and just uh, just take the film for what it is. Let's see, Twelve Monkeys. That's good times. Uh huh. And that's a time travel one too. Yay! We enjoy that. Uh, Contagion from 2011. Man, okay. Joe, there's like all kinds of. We're gonna have to like spend some time watching these. I'm glad we didn't before. Although, Joe, don't you feel so grateful for your experiences on Fright School? You've seen so many horror films. You've got to be ready a little bit more prepared than you I might. I mean, have I'm been. a little bit more prepared, but I'm also highly and keenly aware of the fact that I will not survive. Like, <laughs> again, what did I tell you? The first rule of Zombieland is cardio, and I pff, that's not gonna go well for me. So. <laughs> well, just just get over here, Joe, to my house and hole up in the West Craven Memorial Library, and it'll be fine. Yes, until the until it overtakes you, and then at which point, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm out for <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's all by myself. This is very true. Um, I was going to say also some of the movies we have done, The Thing. That's a great. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not you know what you'd think of as a pandemic, but hey, that's what's going on. Uh, Alien. Uh, you know, another infectious film, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which we have covered, one. you know, on previous, on previous episodes, uh, the blob, either the original or the eighties remake, which I really do want to do Joe, because I have like a soft spot for that movie. It's not like film, but it's pretty fun. You're talking about the eighties remake, right? Yeah. With uh Shawnee Smith. Okay. So I, there is, um, not to, not to give people more, but there is a person who wants to come on and do that. So I'll tell you that offline. Ooh, awesome. Well, they are welcome to. We might have to get on the Zencaster for them as well. Cool. I love it. 
I'm down for it. Um, yeah, so that's just a few things to get you started. You know, there's also The Stand by Stephen King, the uh, miniseries that they did. Uh, the Hot Zone, which was a book, um, was adapted to a television series. So I'm sure you can find that streaming somewhere. Uh, 12 Monkeys was adapted uh, into a uh, television series as well. So, hey, you got plenty of things to uh, watch and prepare yourself for the coming horrors <laughs> that are already here. Um, I, I have a couple things to add of just some interesting, interesting ones that, um, th- that, um, you know, people <laughs> interesting ones that some I haven't seen, but have very interesting, uh, interesting premise, but some I have. So I do want to, you know, shout out, uh, Sean of the dead, you know, so that way you can get your, Ooh, yeah. um, you can get your, you know, comedy, your little comedy uh, horror in there. Um, and the two that I haven't seen that have really interesting uh, premises, uh, the girl with all the gifts, oh, um, yeah. which has, um, which is a, like a certain, it's like a virus that, you know, basically these children don't have. And it's uh, this one girl who has, is immune to it, who possesses it, but is not a carrier. And then um, the other one that I think is a very interesting premise is the cured, which stars <sighs> yeah. page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is basically what happens when um, there's a disease that turns people into zombies, but then it becomes cured. So what happens to all those people who were cured and all of the implications that happen that come with that. So, Things to consider as we go into this next uh, phase of our humanity. Go you, Joe. Those are great, uh, great recommendations. I know. See what I can do uh, when I'm not in front of you. Like the master <laughs> or the student becomes the master. Just in time. Just in time. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else before we take a break and then uh, dive into Scream Queen? Um, no, I think we can dive right in. Oh, well, we can take our break and then... Okay. (laughs) I didn't know what she meant by that. All righty. Well, then uh, we'll be right back to discuss the uh, new documentary from Mark Patton, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. That's why I don't have sex. It's not because of my face or my general attitude towards human beings. The thing is that they don't refer to any of these things as murders, which is the most amazing part. It's always referred to as a disappearance. There's fucking blood filling the back of a truck. That was certainly nice of me, wasn't it, huh? Same set as Casper. Um, <laughs> what? Is that really? No, but I would believe it, actually. That wouldn't shock me. Okay. I can't imagine that there's a ton of castles that Charles Band has at his disposal. <laughs> that frog is going to bang Roddy Piper. Nope, she's just one horny toad. <laughs> Jeff Lund just screamed that he's a fucking walrus for so long. He keeps yelling cuckoo-cachoo and shit. <laughs> Join me and Matt as we discuss some of the worst of horror every week on the Horror Movie Night Podcast. Listen at HMNpodcast.com. All right. Well, welcome back. I'm really, really excited to talk about uh, today's film because, one, we've never covered a documentary. No. Uh, And I think for our particular show, uh, even though we never really set out to be a queer horror podcast by 
you know, the nature of what we, of who we are, uh, we have come to embrace and, and spend a lot of time discussing queer perspectives and horror. So I'm super stoked to talk about, uh, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a new documentary just, uh, just came out in the last couple months. It's streaming, uh, in various places. Sorry, Joe, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. No, I was just, I was going to, I went, yay, just a little bit of yay. Yeah, yay, yay. Uh, initially released April 5th, 2019, but it's now making its way to streaming platforms and stuff. So you can buy it or rent it from Amazon streaming. Um, you could get the DVD, I'm sure. I'm holding out. I really hope they release a Blu-ray. Uh, but if not, I'm going to order the DVD. I just bought it digitally, but I do really want to support it. So. Absolutely. The uh, documentary covers, so Mark Patton starred in uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which we did a whole episode on uh, with the fantastic Jackie from Jersey Ghouls. Yes, yes, yes. When was that? Last year? Last March? Oh, dear. Um, it was It was last March. It was around this time last March because we yeah. were, it was a, our last day in um, in Philadelphia, uh, right, during during Mania. Mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have a whole episode about that. So we'll probably talk a little bit cause I did take some time to rewatch Freddy's revenge, uh, actually this morning. Um, so we could talk a little bit about our, our feelings on the film, but mostly we're today, we're just going to kind of review the documentary itself, which was really, um, it was not what I thought it was going to be. Okay, tell me a little bit. You you said that you texted me about that. Um, I watched it earlier this morning. Um, what did you mean by that? Well, I, you know, I mean, I really thought that it was going to be more of like a behind the scenes making of the film, you know, oh, okay. and just okay. kind of marks, you know, along mixed with like his personal story. But it really was more. Um, I think that some of the early conversation around the documentary that it was going to be called. Um, Scream Queen in bed with Mark Patton, which is a take up of, of uh, Madonna's Truth or Dare. It, uh, um, outside the U.S., it was titled In Bed with Madonna. Mm. And so I was like, okay, now th- that's very appropriate uh, because it really is like the story of his life, what he's been going through, where he's been uh, since the film came out and basically ruined his career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the effects of homophobia in Hollywood. And so I, I you know, I really thought it was just going to be like a lot, of, kind of like uh, they did a, um, so Never Sleep Again was um, the documentary they made for the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, yes. which is like four mm-hmm. hours long, like kind of took, you know, so I thought it would just kind of be an expanded version of that, but focusing solely on um, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, but it really turned out to be this really incredible exploration of his life and, yeah, homophobia in Hollywood and, and, you know, this kind of a time capsule piece of that, uh, of that, um, of the eighties and really how far we've come, you know? So it was a very, there was a lot of emotional parts to it that I was just, I wasn't prepared for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really ended up enjoying it a lot. Um, cause it just, yeah, it, it, it exceeded my expectations because I, I really expected something else. Okay. Yeah, um, I I didn't know what to expect because I've also not seen the um, the documentary. I have heard it referenced before in conversation when uh, we started talking to people about, or at least at, con- at conventions, we started talking to people about um, the the Mark Patton documentary, this the Scream Queen that we're talking about today. So I knew it existed, and um, and I also. Uh, heard a little bit of I heard uh, Mark Patton on another podcast as well as when he was on as well as when um, 
uh, Matt interviewed um, him as well. I, I don't know if it was him or if it was the filmmakers for Horror Movie Night. Um, might have been him. Um, anyway, uh, long story long. It. I, I <laughs> thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was great, um, and I really enjoyed all of that context about who he was and how. Um, and like his trajectory from becoming, you know, from being this like nobody didn't consider himself an actor knocking on a door to get an agent to being on Broadway with Cher to a movie to his that entire trajectory was super interesting and fascinating. And it it really like that history lend itself to eventually, you know, to eventually the fall, quote unquote, um, after the film. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. After Freddy's Revenge, you mean? After Freddy's Revenge, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was funny. I had like a Mark Patton day today because I, I watched uh, Freddy's Revenge uh, again because I, I had not seen it since we watched it with, uh, for uh, our recording of the episode last year. So I hadn't seen uh-huh. it since then. And then I watched um, Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, because yeah. I had never actually seen that. And I, you know, I really like Cher and I like a lot of her films. And I was like, gosh, how did I never see this movie? Uh, and yeah, it was... It, really good and mark i mean he's his role in it is very very interesting um because he plays like uh there's a lot of flashback scenes so the the mm-hmm. um come back to the five and dime jimmy dean is set like it's all it was a play first on broadway and so when they adapted it with robert altman directing he got the entire broadway cast and crew to come back or the broadway cast to come in and so it's all set in this one this uh wool war store Wool yeah. Worth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hard to say that. And um mm-hmm. and it, it kind of flashes back and forth between like I think it's nineteen fifty five and nineteen seventy five. When did James Dean die? Um hold on, I'm looking that up right now. Vamp, I think it's fifty five. Anyway, so the idea is that back in the fifties, right up the street or whatever, a few miles away from where this Woolworths is set, Jimmy uh James Dean is filming Giant. In Murphy, yes, uh, Murphy, 19, Texas, uh, nineteen fifty-five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then obviously he his his death happens, and it kind of crushes this group of women who had this fan club. And so the film takes place twenty years later, where they're having a reunion of this James Dean fan club, and so um, they kind of all come together. And spoiler alert: uh, Mark Patton's character Joe has gone through uh, a transition and has become a woman named Joanne, played by Karen Black. Mm. And it was just very, it was very fascinating and, um, you know, a, a very good film kind of fraught with all of this te- that, you know, I, I never knew about, you know, mm-hmm. until I saw this documentary. Like I'd seen clips of it, like, cause Cher and her concerts, uh, that I've seen, she sometimes has these, um, she usually does like a segment of the show where she'll play, sing songs from movies that she's done. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. they'll usually show like a, uh, remix reel of like, of um her giving you know these emotional parts in films you know so it'll be like the witches of eastwick the uh little monologue she has a jack nicholson character about how gross he is or it'll be you know the part in silkwood where she's crying with meryl streep you know and usually they show this scene in in uh jimmy dean where she's like talking about being like the best roller skater or something so i'd seen like you know clips from it but i never knew what movie it was from so i i did watch it today just to just to kind of see what else Mark had done besides this film. 
So you remember the part in the film where David Chaskin was saying that um, Nightmare on Elm Street was like this homophobic film, not a homoerotic film, which I thought was very interesting because I found the Jimmy Dean storyline. It was like he became a woman because he didn't like fit in as like a gay person. I just thought that was an interesting kind of Ooh, twist. That is a good twist. Um, the, the, the Chaskin comment like that, that has come up in that has come up in other places where I've um, in other, um, other podcasts and other things where, you know, it's queer people talking about horror, um, you know, just like us and it, and, and hearing it from that lens was very interesting because um, I was just like, huh, that is fascinating because like he in the film, you know, as we talked about, like he wants nothing to do with his girlfriend and he has this like all consuming nature, um, you know, he's, a, he's entirely afraid of, like, this man who is coming inside of him, um, who wants to come right. inside of him. So it simultaneously, it simultaneously is a commentary on his desire, but it's also a commentary on, like, the, him, home, you know, homo, homosexual as monster, which is something that, um, which is definitely something that um, you have also talked about for, for a long time as well. Yeah, you know, something I really loved in this documentary was, so they have this professor on there, I can't remember what his name was, and I do really encourage people to read it, or to to watch the film, so I don't want to necessarily break down every single thing in it, but there's some really good stuff in there uh, from this professor, and then also Peaches Christ, um, who talked about Mm -hmm. um, that the monstrous queer presents in three different ways, and I thought this was really cool. So homosexual is threat to others, so sort of the sadism, the violence, um, which to me is hysterical because um, uh, of the violence that is so often perpetrated against us. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that where this threat, our, our, our sexuality or like our S and M behavior or whatever is some kind of like threat to other people. If there's like a violence in our sexuality. I just found very interesting. Um, and then homosexual is threat to culture. So the idea that we destroy mm-hmm. families, we destroy values, we destroy religion, spirituality, whatever it may be. And then homosexual as the monster within, uh, which obviously is kind of, um, or not kind of, that is what people are reading uh, in, in Freddy's Revenge. But I really like that. Yeah, I, I liked it as well. Again, it's it, the, I really wish I wrote down what he said, that that same professor who who teaches, um, he he's the one who kind of introduces when they start talking about how um, Nightmare 2 uh, finds like a new audience many, you know, decades later. Um, he's the one who kind of introduces the, like this, uh, a bond, this fascination that horror and homosexuality, queerness have with each other as well. And he, there's a way that he put it that I just, that's escapes me, but you need, you know, if you get, you should go and see it. It is on Amazon prime video right now. Um, you, you know, you can rent it. You should buy it. (laughs) You can rent it. You should buy it. And it's the way that he said it was very interesting. And it was put in a way that I'd never heard before. Yeah. I wrote down one of the quotes he used that maybe this is what you're talking about. He said, queer spectators are like scavengers. 
Yes, mm-hmm. which I loved because that is very true that, you know, because a lot of the people involved in the production, like the director and you, you know, during the, the course of the documentary, you know, you kind of meet with other people. It was like, well, I, I didn't really see it. Some of them are like, oh, yeah, no, I totally saw it. And others didn't. And it kind of makes you wonder. It's like, well, to the straight people, like the um, the denial, the ignorance, the dismissiveness of like our culture, you uh-huh. know, makes them um, ignorant of it. You know, so they might, some of them didn't see the clues because, you know, we, our narratives have not been part of like the larger conversation. So Mm -hmm. having this film kind of like with the bar, oh, well, we saw the bar during the day, you know, we scouted it. We didn't really think of anything, but then later they're like, well, yeah, but it's meant to be like a transvestite, transsexual bar, Yeah, which I'm like, okay, well, there you go. Like, that's queer. Like, what are you talking about? But whatever, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to speak too much to, you know, the, the veracity of the different claims within the documentary of who, who thought it was a queer film and who didn't. But just the idea that, you know, the people who didn't see it or who went and watched it and, and kind of missed the queer narratives in it, um, you know, you, I mean, it's not too much of a, a surprise because larger culture just wasn't aware, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? No, exactly. It's just that they you we've we've talked about this also with like sam and with with michael as well is this just we because we're so starved for that representation we're just we're looking for any place that we can see each other we are literally grasping we're literally scrounging for these scraps of representation where we can find it and to have this particular film with such overtones and not even undertones, like literal overtones. Yeah, um, I mean, it's so obvious. Yeah, <laughs> it is so obvious. And to to have it be, you know, as queer as it is, uh, you know, connected to con- connected to and writing the coattails of a huge cultural phenomenon that um, Nightmare One was at the time, and shortly yeah. after that, completely, you know, it, it's just it's interesting. And like, you know, again, it can be said, I think they mentioned it in the film that where they talked like, oh yeah, this is like the first gay movie, like the first gay, like popular movie. And it's just like, okay, you know, at the time, I guess, you know, people could say that, but again, like we we're living in a time where it's like people are making like explicitly gay content. And I'm not talking about porn. I'm talking about like, you know, <laughs> explicit, yeah, 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 yeah. explicit stories exactly, that are meant to, that yeah. are meant to, that either are, you know, reflections of homosexual life or, you know, have um, out homosexual characters. Uh, totally. You know, at the time um, in the, in the narrative. Yeah, it's just interesting because it's like, you know, we're so used to, to again, to the queer spectator as scavenger um, narrative that, you know, queer people who saw this film went, oh my God, <laughs> this is gay as fuck, you know, and straight people didn't. And then once like the gay media kind of picked up on it and started talking about it, then there was this backlash and this, you know, terror, you know, this tearing apart of it. And then of course, you know, queer people, like when I watch this film, you know, I do really see those, um, I do see the homophobia in it, you know, yeah. and, and again, it's like, and it's so hard to tell, and, and, like, well, what was the, like, if the writers, like, I was making a homophobic film, the kind of thing they could show at, like, a conversion camp, like, I don't know now how to feel about yeah, Freddy's Revenge, because I do, I enjoy it, but I do sit there kind of, I, I, I recognize that time in my life where I felt the same way, you know, where I wanted to pray this away or I wanted to be changed or I wanted to be different. And I'm not, I'm not interested in that narrative anymore. You know, I'm not interested in, 
um, you know, like the uh, Pete Buttigieg or whatever said, you know, oh yeah, if I could take a pill to be straight or whatever his quote was. It's oh like, yeah, no, I, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. You know, personally, now, you know, as a queer person, like we we belong in society. We have a place. We have a function within nature. We have a function within society, within culture, uh, that is important and relevant and necessary. And so, I no longer feel this desire to 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 be straight like I did when I was afraid and when I was alone and when I when I didn't have anybody else to to commiserate with. You know, so I do see the film very differently. Now, when I watch it, especially today, when I rewatched it with a new lens, having seen the documentary. Yeah, that's, if we can talk about that for a little bit, that's so fascinating that you say that as part, like, you know, bring up, like, if you could, if you could take a pill, if you had a choice when you were younger, would you choose a different path? And I, I don't think I've ever had that thought. I don't think I ever had that thought where I was like, oh, I wish I was, um, I wish I was not different from everybody else because I feel like I always celebrated that difference and saw it as something that was special. Um, yeah. And it's I grew up Southern Baptist though. So, you know. Exactly. And I grew up Catholic. <laughs> well, you grew up Catholic. Yeah. 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 And, so and, that, that surprises me. And it, it that you didn't have that emotion. Oh, You're yeah. lucky. Yeah. It surprises me as well because I just, I just don't think I ever thought about, I thought about like, cause uh, then again, you know, if we want to really go, Catholic, how Catholic do you really want to go? You can say, oh, we were in like, I was in just, you know, huge denial that I was, you know, still thinking I, even in like early college that I was going to like marry a woman and have a white picket fence and, you know, a bunch of kids. Um, wow. it, again, <laughs> well, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I know, but like, it's one of those things where it's like, I never thought that, but I, what I did think about was like, you know, why I just wanted to know why these feelings were coming. I had no, like, it was completely, you know, it, it was completely, you know, opposed and opposite of everything that was around me. And that's why I felt that I felt difference and I had no role models and, and no representation, no place I could see, oh, like, you know, this is me. I see myself in this. And then it wasn't until, like, you know, you start to discover gay media that, like, oh, it actually isn't, like, the here is a way that you can be, or at least this is a way that people are that are feeling the same things that you're feeling. And then, you know, you grow from that as well. Um, but, yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, that's, that's a fascinating thought, um, if you could take it all away. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, and I'm sure lots of queer people have that, have that thought because we live in a society that wants you to think that way. You know, it wants you to think like I should destroy this part of myself because I'm a threat to those around me. I'm a threat to myself. I invite violence against me. Um, why wouldn't I want to be, you know, capital N normal? Um, you know, so I, I think there is a, a, um, um, there's an invitation there, you know, to those thoughts, um, a very open invitation by society uh, to feel mm-hmm. this way. And uh, I just personally feel like, no, I reject that <laughs> now, you know, but yeah, growing yeah. up, you're very terrified because you don't, you only know what you're taught. You only know what you're told and how people react around you. So yeah, I definitely felt those thoughts. Um, and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as many have. So, but then, you know, got a library card and, uh, that changed a lot of things for me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, saw some movies, met some, uh, you know, 
older gay people, older queer mm-hmm. people that, you know, changed my life. So, and I wish that, I wish that, you know, being the horror fan I am, I wish I could have seen this film uh, for, you know, all of this when I was younger. But, you know, again, I was also raised in the same sort of environment that I did not, did not see the queer themes here until I was much older. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, Anyways, uh, I did want to talk about a few other things, uh, just um, uh, a few stray comments that they had. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember who said it, but I, oh, no, I think it was Mark. Mark said this. Um, All my problems were a problem with geography. Uh, I love that because that's exactly how I started to feel after, um, you know, I got that library card and I looked yep. up the word gay for the first time. And I looked up the word homosexual mm-hmm. in the libraries, uh, in the uh, Dewey Decimal Pool card system, and then also the computer when we started getting those. <laughs> Uh, and finding books and all that. And I realized that, no, I'm not the problem. Other people are, I'm, I'm perfectly normal, perfectly natural. Um, and awesome part of a, a culture of people that have influenced, um, you know, music and fashion mm-hmm. and media for decades and decades and decades. So you're all, you're all wrong. Not me. Uh, so I really love that quote. Um, you know, there was there was also some cool, you know, just discussing horror movies in general, like at the beginning, like horror movies put women in peril uh-huh. uh, because they feel more vulnerable. And so combining vulnerability and sex appeal, yeah, I thought mm-hmm. was, um, you know, it was a very interesting thing because you don't, this film being one of those first like scream kings, you know, the scream, uh, scream queen, scream queer, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mark Patton, um, becomes, you know, you didn't really see that with men. No, Uh, you didn't. Yeah. And so I liked a lot of those ideas, uh, that they discussed throughout the film of like what to do, making sense to have this, um, final girls are typically, you know, masculinated. I don't know what the, the word, uh, the, word for that you know but they they're they're they stand apart from their the other women in the film you know because usually they're not sexualized you know they're they're fighting bullies they're empowered so what do you do when you have a boy who's kind of the opposite of that you know it makes sense to have this um effeminate uh or feminine uh final boy yeah it's it's, that was interesting yeah that was an interesting concept because i've prior to fright school um i had heard of the i had heard of the concept of the final girl and the idea that it's the final girl who when when in asserting you know she i've heard that before like she's usually the more manly of the girls that are in the film or at least the more masculine presenting um in whatever way you like either, either that's with her brunette hair or what have you but one of, or, you know, not as uh, sexually desirable as, right. like, you know, the, the quote unquote, the slut in the film, in the archetypes. Right, but, right, well, right. The archetype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But one of the things that I also heard was this idea that, like, the way that she, um, when she finally is able to overcome the killer and, you know, reassert herself in this power is that she usually does it by, you know, like the, that classic of like taking the knife, which is like a phallus and stabbing, entering, penetrating the killer and mm-hmm. basically doing it in that way. And so the, the scholar, the professor that's in the film, when he talks about like, we can't, our society cannot abide a man who is unphalloused. And or and then trying to position himself as the in the end to like regain that like we can't even abide that in the beginning, 
Yeah, no, absolutely. He said, so it's hard, it's hard for culture. It's hard for an audience to articulate a final boy because it's uh-huh. uh, difficult to see him as emasculated. Yeah. And then therefore becoming empowered. Like that's just not the narrative we're often sold. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and obviously this film, that's kind of, you know, he's sensitive and he's sort of nerdy and he, you know, he's goofy and he's got, uh, Meryl Streep as, as a, as a girlfriend. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I, I, I still... can't stop. I can't, I can't stop, stop seeing it. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, so it's very interesting that, um, you know, it is this total opposite, but we're, we were just not prepared for that. And I mean, I, I still don't know. I mean, have we even seen that kind of thing in, in, in subsequent film? Well, Can you think of anything? Well, let's talk about Get Out. Right. Okay. Let's talk about Get Out. And, and that, that was the first film. Cause I was about to ask, I'm like, where have we else, have we seen like a final boy? Right. So is he emasculated though? Well, well, again, like it, he is no more emasculated. That, that's more, then you're getting into the commentary of race where it's like he's no more emasculated right. that, uh, there's, he's no more emasculated than black men already feel surrounded by whiteness. Right. Like, yeah. So like he already starts off. You know, he he starts off as like he's the sexual he's a sexual love interest. He is um, his proximity to whiteness is close, right? So so because of his girlfriend, and so then by putting him even closer proximity to that, he has this power, but it also makes him interesting. So they kind yeah. of it, it's interesting how Peel plays with that, right? He he's talking a little bit about like oh okay so you you are um, he's going to be our final boy but he is also going to be um he's going to be our final boy um but he's also um going to be uh one who is has he is in control and as a function of his like anxiety yeah yeah that's a good point but again it, it 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 still plays against you know, what we're discussing here, the mm-hmm. idea of, 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 well, I don't know, man. Actually, that's a really good point. We need to explore that more. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, and then like what's coming up with the Candyman documentary or the Candyman remake, right? Is yeah. that we have another male person or, you know, mother male identified person mm-hmm. leaving. Well, again, and I'm curious to see how that plays out because like, you know, he's an artist, you know, there is some opportunity there to play with ideas of like what we consider feminine or effeminate. And then he's like, at least in the trailers, it looks like he's possessed by the Candyman. And that mm-hmm, could really mm-hmm. echo this, you know, Freddy's revenge, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So... I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting thing. We should break that down and 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 uh, discuss that more and uh, figure out how we can uh, c- compare and contrast that in the future. Because <laughs> that's you know that's a good point. But again, like with the, within this film, because they talk about like his screaming like a girl, the mm-hmm. dance sequence, you know, all of these things that Mark brings up throughout the documentary, where he wasn't pulled aside, he wasn't told like mm, I don't know about this. Um, Robert England, you know, he's part of the documentary, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which, by the way, oh my gosh, Robert England saying homoerotic. Yes. Was, oh my God. Right? 
I'm like, I love you, Robert England, and his whole like thing of approaching it like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, that was really neat. Oh my god, his breakdown of that whole scene with the glove yeah, and just so out, good. Like I'm rimming yeah. him, and I was like, how am I attracted to Robert England right now? Because <laughs> he was like, hey, he's a zaddy. He's he is a zaddy, but like it's just it was. It, <laughs> I was like, wow, like he, he's that person who like you, he, he puts on the, he puts on the costume and it, you know, it's a campy figure, but like the way he talks about it, it's like, he's doing Shakespeare. Yeah. (laughs) Just the the timber of his voice. And I was just like, oh my God. And it was so sexual and, and like he was so. I think think Robert England is very sexy. Yeah. So. (laughs) It's so, it, that, that whole thing with him was great and yeah and it was all and also let's just say that like loved love love loved that he was like the the people they got to be in this documentary because again like it's a documentary it's half about mark Patton's life but it's also you know about like the making and the the cultural impact that this film had so to have like you know england in it and you know all of these people that they got i thought that was just really really great told a really great story and painted a very yeah no it's great yeah yeah no they i mean they got kim myers to show up who play you know who plays the girlfriend in the film Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the original in, in freddie's uh revenge they got uh clue is it G- gulager i'm not sure how you say his last name i think he played the father um you know they got yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they did they got like ev- almost everybody who was part of the original making of the film plus some you know the director and um david chaskin who wrote it uh you know they got them all all to come back and i think that was really great and obviously added a lot to um to the story and they all can give their perspectives um i love oh gosh what was his name the guy who plays Mm -hmm. the guy who plays um is it rod no that's from the original movie so robert rustler Mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. plays like (laughs) Basically, Jeff, Jesse's like male love interest. It seems in the film, <laughs> just because of like, uh, you know, he keeps turning to him in times of trouble. But I love how he's like, "Oh, I knew it was a gay movie the minute I read yeah. the script." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if he's a queer person himself. I don't know that much about him. Um, oh gosh, what was shoot? This is so terrible. I, you know, like I said, I have seen the movie a couple of times, mm-hmm. but I keep forgetting. Um his name what what is his character's name in uh, in nightmare ron ron grady so kind of like rod mm, okay anyways i loved him just going like yeah i knew I'm like did you really you queer no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible <laughs> anyways uh <laughs> It's so funny because, uh, like, again, I wish I was there to see how amused you are. Because <laughs> I can, like, I, I we've, <laughs> we've done this so much that, like, I can picture you. I can picture how you're sitting. I can picture your reactions. You're probably drinking tea or something. Um, or well, I'm having a Jack and Coke. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. That's the other. That's the that's the tea at a tea dance. Uh, I didn't oh. realize we were out of wine. I wanted to pour myself a glass of wine for the apocalypse, and mm-hmm. we didn't have any. So I was like, well, shit, I guess I'll drink Jack. Mm. Drink whiskey. There you go. <laughs> Drink the whiskey. Uh, anyway, so I, it was very, very cool to see um, everybody uh, involved. Um, I also 
so the central conflict of the film, not only is, uh, so, uh, of the documentary, Mark is dealing with, you know, the repercussions, uh, on his career that Nightmare on Elm Street 2 had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it looks a little bit at his personal life and everything before, you know, his struggles with HIV and he almost died. That was all very, very powerful. Um, but mm-hmm. it also deals with this conflict he's had for 30 years against the writer, David Chaskin. Yeah. And I don't want to give too much away the film. I don't want to give away, you know, the, 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 the resolution of that. Cause that's a yeah. really big reason to watch the, the film to see how Mark has, has continued to come to terms with this film. I love that people have, re- have rediscovered it and he suddenly has this fame that he didn't know about. I love that the whole documentation of that, mm-hmm. you know, of like he's, I, I've been living in Mexico for all these years and I have a shop and I've got my husband and, you know, we've been living this life having no idea that all these people had found this film and, 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 and it's had this complete, you know, new rebirth. I thought it was very, very cool. Um, but anyway, so he's really trying to track down the writer who all of the, for all of these years had denied mm-hmm. that he wrote a gay story. And instead it was kind of like that it, it's it, it crass, but it's like, you know, that faggot Mark Patton ruined the movie. He made it gay. It yeah. wasn't meant to be gay. And now that it's cool that it's gay mm-hmm. or queer all of a sudden the writer's like, yeah, well I meant that it was subtext. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he obviously has a major problem with this because that ruined his career being blamed for the the fall of this movie. It made him doubt himself. It made him, you know, pull back from Hollywood and he could have had a totally different career trajectory. Um, I really loved all of that, that, that exploration of that rage and of that, um, Mm -hmm. uh, grudge. Yeah, that again because like they're they were victims of circumstance, both of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it it was. It, I like. I mean, again, like the thing was with like these types of documentaries is that you know what's that final that final thing that final confrontation going to be like? Um, and so yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, no, it was, I thought it was just so well made. Like, yeah, it was very cool to get them in the same room together. So we'll leave the resolution of that, you know, to the, to the, to the listener to, to yes, watch. We're not going to spoil that. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was, it was very, very um, interesting. So I, um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of bring that up and, and, you know, it just, it was so interesting that we or I don't know. We just 30 years ago, we're just in such a different place than we are in society now. And I just think this documentary is really important for queer people to see and for young queer people to understand like the, the repercussions and that they just still echo, you know, I mean, we obviously, we know people who are queer and who are working in the industry and there's still, there's still a ways to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's still a ways to go, but again, like this is the time for the time for queer horror is now, right? Absolutely. Yes. The, the future is queer, my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, overall, I really, yes, really, if the, the future is queer. It's riddled with disease panic. <laughs> oh, I know. That's oh, probably God. not good. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, uh, we're keeping optimistic. So yeah, one other thing. Uh, so outside of the documentary itself, another thing I wanted to mention is the music. I really enjoyed the music throughout. So it's by a, um, uh, this guy. He uh, has a music project called Bright Light, Bright Light, which I accidentally discovered like a month a couple months ago, I didn't realize that he was doing the music for this documentary, but um, I was looking for the mannequin soundtrack because <laughs> I love that movie. Um, and I particularly like the music. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for, there's a song called, do you dream about me? 
Mm-hmm. And I looked it up to, on on my on my favorite musical uh, uh, streaming service, and I uh, discovered this bright light bright light guy and all of his like covers of all these like classic eighties music soundtracks. And so I was really delighted to see that he did the music, and I really enjoyed uh, the music for this. So so funny story, <laughs> right? I actually know bright light bright light not as a not as a uh, not personally, but um, I know Bright Light, Bright Light, and I've actually been listening to um, uh, his music for a while, um, for a couple oh, of years cool. now. Um, the song that got me, um, it's the first song off of his uh, uh, album entitled Choreography from 2016. Yes. It's, called, it's called All in the Name, and it features Elton John in it. <laughs> Love it. And it is like... Super the- queer. It is super queer. This album has like features by Elton John, Jake Shears, Alan Cumming. Like, oh, if nice. you wanted to be gay, that you can be as gay. It, it, this is going to be as gay. Throw as a possible. gay dance party. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I, I really just I, I did want to mention that because I really I really liked uh, the musical score that they used and the songs that they used. It was a lot of fun. So, and just seeing Peaches Christ and, uh, you know, all the people involved. I mean, this was just a really fun documentary, uh, beautifully done and very, um, surprisingly very emotional. There were, mm-hmm. there are definitely times I was like, oh my God, I might cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I also want to take a trip to Puerto Vallarta and, uh, find his store and buy something. You know what? Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to get a. We need to. Um, we need to uh, just go down to Mexico and see if uh, the the great Mark Patton will uh, uh, will you know hang out with us. Oh man, I would love that. I'll buy whatever he wants me to buy if he'll hang out and uh, chat with us. It'd be great to have him on on Fright School. Um, overall, you know, again, it's it's such a true. It's such a fact, I feel, that the people who first do something never benefit in the way that those who come after. You know, you think of Pose, you think of um, of Paris is Burning, you know, you think of Voguing, you know, you think of so much in queer culture where people have suffered Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and were ridiculed for something that somebody else went and made like a huge amount of money on. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, I think Mark is that is that person that really um, suffered for queer horror, and um, you know this 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 documentary really highlights that highlights the the suffering that so many queer people did in Hollywood and continue to do because of fear, not their own fear, mm-hmm. s- social fear, society's fear, society's judgment, um, uh, and we have to live in this system of uh, of um, hetero patriarchy oppression mm-hmm. and and that still does persist you know not everywhere is this free we we're lucky to live in san diego and not um feel that same kind of pressure i don't worry about walking down the street and holding hands with the, with my pet bigfoot uh, <laughs> uh I'm, not, I'm not worried about those sorts of things but people still are in other parts of the country and people still are in hollywood you know of, of what it means to play gay and that's you know and again that's 
it's not just straight people and the heteropatriarchy. Obviously, you know, we see, you know, I, I've definitely been a, a guilty of that, of, of, of seeing, you know, uh, a male actor do a queer thing and you think, oh, well, maybe he's really gay, you know, which isn't fair, isn't right. You know, mm-hmm. something that I have to deal with, you know, my own internalized, um, um, issues, you know, mm-hmm. that just happen mm-hmm. living, you know, in this culture. Yep. But, you know, it's, there's still a long way to go. And so this documentary really highlights that, that, you know, the world has not always been as open and accessible as it is, Mm -hmm. and it will not be as closed off as it is now in the future, you know? So it's, it's, it's a, uh, ever changing system. Yes. Yes. And again, like we, we hold space for the, you know, for our forebearers, our four ancestors who came for us, uh, you know, I, I say ancestors like he's dead. Mark Hatton, <laughs> like, <laughs> please don't take offense to that. You know, our forebearers, no. I should say, of, you know, these people who came before us who paid that price. Um, you know, again, this is one of those situations where you have, um, you you have to make sure that you know you you do know your history like you have to appreciate that and i'm glad that he is um he's around to experience um the love that these that this very niche but very fervent group of fans has for the character that he created absolutely absolutely that it's very cool to see him going out to cons and doing things and and getting that recognition and that people really uh do appreciate and um and and care about him regardless Mm -hmm. of how you feel about the film regardless how you feel about freddie's revenge as as an example of like homophobia or internalized hatred or you know of the uh, or as queerness as this monster we have to fight against and we have to subdue uh it's still it it echoes and it shows that fight that a lot of people do when they're young and hopefully you you learn to embrace uh your inner freddy kruegers as you get older and realize that they are um that they're perfectly welcome yeah <laughs> that, absolutely within the context of this film with freddy as queerness i mean you know i don't want anybody out there murdering people for fun yeah uh, that, that is very <laughs> i don't want to encourage that please don't <laughs> yes we are not encouraging murder no Anyways, all right, Joe. Well, I'm I'm super happy that uh, we got to watch this uh, documentary. This has been fun to talk about. I've got a few other docs that we're going to watch over the over the course of the next few months. Um, uh, I do want to say to our listeners, you know, wash your hands, take good care of yourselves. Yes, please. <laughs> Remember, you can serve face. Without yes. touching your face. Don't touch your face. No. Um, Fright School episodes might be a bit spotty uh, in the coming weeks. We have um, a spring break coming up, so we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus, but we're going to do our best to keep bringing you uh, all the horror and mm-hmm. uh, fun analysis that, that that you love. Right, Joe? Yes, exactly. <laughs> we, we have figured out ways to make it work, so that way, you know, in the eventuality that this podcast implodes because Joshua can't stand me, we... We can do this without having to be in the same room together. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing how this episode actually turns out. And then I'll be like, oh, well, maybe we can just do it from remotely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyways. All right, Joe. Well, I adore you. Oh, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say I adore you as well. 
Oh, so sweet. So sweet. I'm I'm flipping off the the screen right now. That's how much I adore you. (laughs) Right. Oh, I'm sure. Alrighty. Well, dear listener, uh, real quick, thank you to all of our new followers on Facebook and Instagram. Keep finding us. Please keep sharing us. People are are discovering us every day. And um, that's really because you're sharing our memes or sharing our stuff. Yeah. And uh, sharing our episodes with people. And we, we really, really, really appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You and uh, good night. Good night, everybody. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.